Before we hop into today's episode of the podcast, I want to tell you guys about someone I've been partnering with over the past few months. The name of the company is 2 Before, and if you guys are looking to take your training to the next level, 2 Before is the right product for you. 2 Before is blackcurrant powder, and blackcurrants are antioxidant berries grown in New Zealand. Studies have shown that consuming them regularly improves endurance by increasing blood flow and removing lactic acid. It's used by professional running team 10 Man Elite, as well as teams in the NFL, NBA, and the NCAA. There was one study that showed that using two before consistently can improve your athletic performance by 4.6%. And so as I look to close out this fall on a high note with my training, as well as get in some really quality training this winter, two before is going to become a staple pre-run, pre-workout. I absolutely love this stuff. I've worked with two before for a long time. For this reason, it's become a staple in my daily training and life routine. Because of that, you guys can get 30% off at two before with code the running effect 30. Not only does this get you guys 30% off, but also free shipping. And I've left a link in the show notes. Again, highly recommend this product. And I definitely recommend at least trying it out once and seeing if it works for you. Today's podcast is brought to you by Pillar Performance. Pillar is a product I've been using for quite some time now, so I'm absolutely thrilled to be partnering with them in the coming months. Pillar is a sports micronutrition company that has developed products that intersect between pharmaceutical intervention and sports supplements for athletes. Pillar's mission is to get athletes to the start line in the best condition over and over again. My go-to product personally from them is their triple magnesium, which has been a game changer for my sleep and recovery. It uses a high dose of glycinate magnesium, and I take it 30 minutes before bed each night. Where Pillar differs from other micronutrition you may have taken before is the tangible and measurable results you'll see on your fitness wearable. I personally wear a Koros, and I've been able to see a significant increase in my REM and deep sleep, which has been a game changer in my training. As sleep is so important for every human, especially athletes, this product is a no-brainer for me. If you guys would like to try Pillar today, head over to pillarperformance.shop or for my US listeners, head to thefeed.com slash pillar and enter code Dominic for 15% off. That's Dominic for 15% off all first-time purchases. I have also left a link in the show notes and can't wait to see you guys try out this product. I freaking love it. Carrie Tollefson, welcome to the Running Effect podcast. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I mean, after the weekend, I've been flying high and super inspired. I've done two runs now before the 6 a.m. hour. And that, you know, is something that's hard when you have three kids at home. So everyone has gotten me out the door. I'm pumped. And I'm really excited to be on your show. Carrie, I do want to talk about this weekend, but I'm going to bring us back a little bit. I don't know if I shared this with you uh, when I saw you in San Diego, but long before I started The Running Effect, actually, and I still am, uh, was a devote listener of your podcast, and that was one of the podcasts that that inspired me to get into it. Uh, I love the conversations you were having. I still do. So I'm curious, for you, you know, you've been in this for a while. When did you first get started in media within track and field running? Well, first of all, thank you, because I absolutely love what you're doing. And I think it's really fresh and awesome. And so it's it's fun to hear that even the younger guys and gals and anyone else out there likes to hear what I can bring to the sport. But I started actually way back when I was at Villanova. That's what I went to school for. I went to school to become a broadcaster. I wanted to be a meteorologist growing up in Minnesota. Like we have such awesome weather that that's what I wanted to do or be on entertainment tonight which is kind of a fun story too, because Billy Bush was one of my first 
uh, interviews at the Olympic Games for Entertainment Tonight. So that was awesome. But anyway, long story short, when I was at Villanova, I studied this and I got into some radio. Um, you know, I did some on-camera little commercials and things. And then I was an intern my fifth year. So instead of going to grad school, which I sometimes regret, um, I actually interned. So I was on the football field, like interviewing the Eagles every Tuesday. And I was doing a bunch of hockey stuff and, um, you know, just dipping my toe in other sports, but also thinking about maybe a, uh, a career in broadcast. But then I started running and it got, it got busy for me. And long story short, I was second at the USA cross country championships. Tony Revis was interviewing me and I said, Tony, one day I'd love to do what you did as an athlete, then going into the, the world of media. And he is like a walking encyclopedia. I don't know if you follow Tony's blogs, but Dom, I'm telling you, if you want to know about the sport, you need to know Tony Revis and longtime broadcaster. And so he actually called me up not long after that and said, hey, we need somebody on the press truck. We'd love to have your voice. And that's how it all became became like not C. Tolly Run, but my career outside of my running career. And then C. Tolly Run started in about 2011. I started with my YouTube channel and then I transitioned to podcasting in 2016. How cool is it to look back now that we have more voices in the sport from pro athletes and be like, I was one of the first, I was one of the pioneers. You know, we have Kara, Des, so many others getting into it. Is it cool to kind of have started that wave and start to see some others get into it? I absolutely love it. You know, when I was younger, I watched Catherine Switzer and I watched um, Julie Benson do a little bit of it. Um, Dina did a little bit of it, but I think I was actually maybe even doing more than Dina because she was still racing a little bit more. Um, but it has been a really cool thing to see what Kara and Des are doing. You know, I love hearing the voices of pro athletes on those broadcasts. Yes, there's a time and place maybe to have the true play-by-play, -play, the true broadcaster, but to have, you know, some of the athletes come back and be able to give their real knowledge of what's happening out there has been really cool. And, um, I love it. I mean, it's harder for me to get jobs now all the time, to be real honest, because we have more people in the sport, but I love that. You know, that's what it's all about being a team teammate, being somebody that's handing the baton off maybe at times. And, um, yeah, there is definitely room for more and, uh, bring it on. It's great. I think looking at other sports, I'll use the NFL, for example, the NFL has had such heavy former players commentate throughout the years, Tony Romo. And then actually this past weekend in Orlando, I was talking about Tom Brady's deal. I think he signed a $375 million deal with Fox. That'll start next year. Carrie, they got to give you some of that money. <laughs> um, I, mean, I don't even get his hourly rate. I know. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Um, so I've, Greg Olson's another one. Like every year, I feel like more former players are hopping on the mic. Generally, it's two people, one like really professional broadcast person and then one of the former players. I feel like with running, that really hasn't been the case throughout the years. Why do you think that's the case? And why do you think we're slowly starting to transition into more of that where more former people are, are starting to get into it? You know, Dom, to be honest, I mean, you're in you're incredibly comfortable when the red light goes on, but a lot of people aren't. And, you know, even Kara, she said to me, you know, she didn't know if she wanted to do this, but Adam, her husband was the one that kind of was like, no, this is a really good platform for you. Um, I think that people were very nervous about that. And it is hard 
you know, people are in your ear. They're telling you what to say while you're talking. And, um, you know, you, you can't really take back what you say on live television. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's heated. I never really knew how many people could swear until I went into, uh, you know, like the studio and understood how high pressure a situation is when you are on live television. There's so much that goes into it. So I think, you know, athletes are starting to understand that we can handle pressure. We can, we like to perform. And as long as you can just be your authentic self and be comfortable when that red light goes on, this might be the career for you. But there's a lot of people that think it's way easier than it is. And they don't know what else goes into it. Like the research, which takes, uh, you know, way more time than it does to actually do the show. So I think that it just took people time to, to realize that maybe they could do it. Um, they might've had to have a nudge from other people because it is a big platform to use and to be on. And I think that in other sports, why not? You know, these football athletes, for one, they make so much money that they don't have to work, you know, but in our sport, you, you sort of have to work after it. So I was just really, really lucky that this is my passion. I love to talk in front of a big group, whether it's emceeing or, um, you know, doing something like this. So I think that for me, this was a way for me to stay in the sport that I was so passionate about. And again, not many people wanted to do it until I think they saw other athletes stepping behind the mic and saying, oh, maybe I could do it. Was there a specific event for you that you went to, you did, that was a pinch me moment, like, look, I've made it kind of like for running, you know, you win five NCAA titles. I'm sure there's similar moments in running where it's like, pinch me, I've made it. What was that for you with broadcasting? I think the New York City Marathon for sure. You know, I, I was asked to do that because Mary Wittenberg was the one that said, Carrie, you're good on the mic. Whenever I had a, an interview or I was on TV, I liked it. I smiled. I didn't clam up. I kind of embraced that. And I always did, even when I was on ESPN or Fox sports net or whatever it was as a high schooler at Foot Locker, where you and I got to hang out not so long ago. Um, I embraced that. And, you know, I wasn't one that got real quiet. I kind of, got louder when, when I had a mic in my face. So, uh, Mary Wittenberg probably was one of the first along with Tony Revis to say, you got something here, use it and, um, do better for the sport for little girls like my Ruby, you know, to be able to go into a sport that says, Oh, you know, this is equal for all men and women, especially on the camera as well. So, um, yeah, I think that's the one where when the New York city marathon came calling, I was like, yes, I will do it. <laughs> <laughs> For you with broadcasting and speaking, I'm curious to get your take on this. How much do you think of it is natural versus hard work and preparation? Like when I look at you, I know you work so hard behind the scenes, but also part of me is like, Carrie just has it, you know, she was just born with a personality that was perfect to be in front of a camera. So what's your kind of, it's kind of like the talent versus hard work thing in running that yeah. gets debated. What's your opinion on that with broadcasting? I think the big thing for me is I'm not afraid of anything. You know, I stood on the, the start line at the Olympic games and I saw my face on the jumbotron and I was like, bring it girl. This is your time to shine. Even though I didn't win. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't make the final, but I was excited about that. I remember in the opening ceremonies, my dad said, find every camera. Cause guess what? That's NBC and they're going to air you. And they did. They aired me for the entire, uh, Olympic games because I was the one smiling and waving to the camera. So, um, I think that's what it was. I don't know if it's so much the talent and, but I think what I hear from people is Carrie, we can hear your, your love of this sport when you tell the stories of the athletes on air. 
And that to me just gets right to me. That's why I did this. You know, I work really hard. I do try to connect with the athletes, the agents. I try to do as much research as I can. But then at the same time, I just have to be me and talk about the sport that I love so much and hopefully bring, you know, a laugh or two or a smile to the people that are watching. That's the big thing. I just want people to enjoy our sport because the more we enjoy it, the more eyes and ears we're going to have on it. And then we're going to, you know, let the Dakota Linworms shine and let, you know, people like that, that deserve it. They're going to get more for it, more sponsorship, more, um, you know, visibility, more opportunities than I ever had. So I think that's one of the things. Yes. I would like to say it's a talent that I'm not afraid of the camera, but I also want to say that I think it's a talent that I work as hard as I do to bring the stories. How do you bring your A game every single time with the varying events you cover, right? You cover a lot of high school events, which definitely people watch, but it's a completely different level from like the world champs or Olympics. But yet every time I listen to you, it's the same carry I'm hearing. So how do you bring your A game no matter what stage it is? You know, it's easy to bring your A game when you actually love something that you're talking about. You know, I, any level that I'm talking about or you know, doing a broadcast for, I've been there and I haven't won an Olympic gold, like I said, but I know the, the grit and determination, the focus, the drive, all of that, that it takes to get to the Olympic games. And so I just try to try to tell the people what it's like, and then also tell the athletes what it's like, you know, yes, I'm this veteran runner now, <laughs> and I don't like to say how old I am, but I'm getting older and life is changing. And now I get to give back to the sport in a different way. And I get to help these young athletes move on to college when they're in high school and talk about that. So I think just being honest and being authentic and just being true and, you know, sharing my story or sharing the stories of the people that are going through things that I've been through. That's what's, what's so fun for me. A minute ago, we were talking about professional athletes behind the mic. Carrie, for you, who's a current professional athlete that when they hang up the spikes, you want to hear hop on a mic? Ooh, good question. Um, Graham Blanks. Mm. I have loved hearing him on podcasts. I have loved interviewing him or talking with him. I think he's witty. I think he's fun. Um, yeah, I think that he would be a really interesting guy to have on. I love. I don't it. even know if he would like to be on <laughs> camera, but he just seems like he gets it. He brings the fun. There's balance in his life or so it seems, and he's a heck of a runner. I'll have to shoot him a text and be like, yes. Carrie, Carrie told me to get you on a broadcast. <laughs> well, I saw his mom and grandma and grandpa and his dad, I believe, right before he won. And I was saying, you know, he's my he's my pick. Although on the NCAA championships, I couldn't say that he was my pick because Kyle Merber got to say he was his pick. But anyway, um, you know, I just said, I think you have a, a true like genuinely nice guy on your hands and that to me is the person i want to root for you know they work hard and and they're kind to all the people around them so yeah i'm a big fan yeah he's just funny to listen to too like you can just tell he's so sincere and genuine um but yeah. every time i've had a conversation with him it's hard not to smile when you're talking to him uh because he he's so talented at what he does and how he carries himself as an individual but he takes himself not too seriously and just has fun yeah. with every conversation also, another big name that is really growing her platform is Tiara Williams. I love T. T is amazing. I don't know if you've um, 
heard her or we were with her, each other but... this past weekend yeah oh god t is just a light to our sport and i'm pumped for her she's doing other things in other sports now which is huge that's really i know I, she told I me think... she's going to yeah. the all-star game or something yes <laughs> i was like and dom my if goodness. i can give you one piece of advice don't just pigeonhole here in running like keep expanding yourself and i think that's one of the things that i wish i would have done but i was trying to run and i was trying to compete plus do this and um i wish that i would have kept in you know that broadcast frame of mind where i was doing other sports because i think that really really helps someone for those who have listened to our conversation thus far you know 14 minutes and they can tell you have this exuberant love for the sport of running let's go back in time when did that love first start for you well, I started running. I had two races under my belt before the seventh grade, just, you know, little road races. My dad was a college football player. My mom wasn't able to compete in sports because she came in a time where women couldn't do that. And then I had two older sisters and both of them were very good athletes. My middle sister, especially, she was a very good hurdler, really good point guard. So I was 12 years old and I was able to run in a race with my middle sister. She was a senior at the time and I was in seventh grade and I finished in front of her. I won the, I was third in my race, but I won the race within our team. And, um, she told me after that race to never let anyone <laughs> hold me back and to go, I was so scared. I thought I was going to get in huge trouble. I was like, she, my sister was like, she was pretty tough. So I was like, Oh my gosh, she's going to come and, you know, tackle me, do something. And, um, it ended up from that day on my first race as a seventh grader, I kind of figured it out. And, so I loved it, but I was a really big basketball player too, Dom. Like I ran cross and track, but then I played ball um, for the winter months and the summer months. And actually my, my center, her son is going to Duke next year. She's got five boys that are all like six wow. five or something crazy. And her oldest is on his way to Duke next year. And so we, we really had fun doing all of, all of sport, but I think my true passion obviously was running. For you, I know growing up in Minnesota is a, a big thing for you, something you're super passionate about, something you talk about a lot. I think a little known fact about the state to outsiders, they'll be like, how are you competing against your sister as a senior when yeah. you were in seventh grade? Is that seventh graders can compete. What was that like? And how do you think that benefited your running or maybe it didn't? Can you kind of speak to that aspect? I know, I think if I'm not mistaken, I could have this fact wildly off, but I think Sage heard a collector like one, oh, that was New York. New York's one of the states yeah. to do it. I think she won in yeah. seventh grade and then it took a few more years. So the pressure there is there mm -hmm. earlier on. Can you speak to that aspect of competing super early? Yeah. I mean, for me, I was ninth as a seventh grader um, in the state of Minnesota. And then as an eighth grader, I won and I didn't lose again. So I won 13 state championships, five in cross, eight in track. And ironically, I didn't lose a race until my very last race as a senior. I dropped down to the 800 and I got my doors. Well, I, it was photo finish, but I got my my butt handed to me, if you want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, so I think that that's one of the stats for me that I'm really proud of, that I was able to win 13 state championships over five years. You know, there's a lot of people and I hate to even bring it up how we talk about, especially with the girls that, you know, you change and your bodies become different and all of the things that you were good at when you were in seventh and eighth grade, sometimes you're not good at when you're older. Well, Dom, I grew seven inches from the seventh to the end of eighth grade. I put on quite a bit of weight 
And instead of looking at it as, as a negative, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to crush people under the basket. I can't wait to be a better sprinter because I have more muscles and I have more of a stride, which I didn't really know about stride like then, <laughs> but I kept thinking like, oh, I have a longer stride now. And I think that we need to really promote that with young girls and boys. Um, you know, just because your body changes doesn't mean that you're, you're not going to be the same runner. You're a different athlete. And so for me, it was hard. I had the target on my back since the age of 13 years old. I mean, I was 13 when I was in eighth grade and that's really young to have people talking about you in the papers. We weren't on the internet then, (laughs) but you know, I had big papers talking about me. And then as a ninth grader, can she do it again as a 10th grader? Oh, she's not going to be the same runner. She was you know, 11th grade, 12th grade, all the different things. And I just wanted to prove people wrong, but it was so fun. Cause like I had some really good runners in the state of Minnesota, Kara Goucher and I battled it out for years and, um, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. I think that it's okay to be a young superstar, but it's hard. You need to surround yourself with people that keep lifting you up and keep reminding you that even though your body can change or your mindset can change, you can still be the great athlete. How did you thrive? underneath that pressure and with that do you think if you did it in 2024 would it have been different with the pressure that comes from social media it's so sad to see specifically female athletes they win something once and that's the full expectation they start getting haters they start getting mean comments and dms and i see it become a destructive thing of course you mentioned you were talked about in the papers but social media is brutal do you think you would have been able to do what you did in the age of social media you know what? It's brutal for me at this age. It's tough. You know, um, I don't have quite the following, so I don't have quite the reach. And there's times where I'm like, I'm not getting gigs because of that. Or I wish I had this or that. So yes, most definitely would it have been hard on me, I think. And I feel for a lot of the young athletes that are constantly comparing and, you know, their workouts are out there and stuff like that. But on the same side of things, I guess, or on, I just always look at the glasses half full rather than half empty. And there's just so much more information out there and, and you make such good friends now, you know, and whether you're pen pals sort of on the internet or you are competitors or whatever it is, like you have an opportunity to keep up with people in a different way than I did back in the day. So I do think that it is, it is a new era. Obviously there's a whole new set of pressures, but they're also there were pressures back in the day too. They were just different. How did you personally manage expectations, both everywhere in high school when more and more people are talking about you, as well as the transition to college where I assume the chatter only got louder of, she did this so much in high school, she's about to get handed to her, even though you went on to win five NCAA championships. Yeah, you know, I just had fun. I mean, I am an alcohol-free athlete, so I never drank alcohol in high school or in college, but I was the girl that... I would moon some people on the weekends. <laughs> like I had, I had like clean, innocent fun, Dom. And I think that's why I had so much fun in high school was, you know, we would dress up in Saturday night, like Saturday night live skit outfits. And we'd go to the movies. Like we played our band instruments, like on the neighboring towns corner, you know, the corner that everyone drove by. We did dumb stuff, but it was really good for my soul because I was very focused. And I didn't really do much wrong. Yeah, I probably could have gotten in trouble for mooning, like, you know, my girlfriends, <laughs> like, whatever. But um, I really kind of, I lived the life of an athlete, but I loved that life. 
And then as I went to college, same thing, you know, I went to Villanova University where all the NCAA champions that I wanted to be like had either gone to or were currently there at the time. We had a powerhouse when I was there. And when you went there, yeah, we went out and danced. I was the first one on the dance floor, the last one to get off. But I didn't drink and I got everybody home. A lot of people at Villanova that I went out with didn't either because we had a 16 mile long run or may actually, no, we did not have 16 mile long runs in college. Our longest was like 12, I think, but we had a long run the next day. So we played hard, but we also worked super hard. And that was always at the front of mind. I wanted to live my life and have all kinds of fun in it, but I wanted to run fast. And so, uh, you know, that was the sacrifice. I sort of hate that word, but that was how, that's what I wanted to do. Don't get me wrong. We had a good time. I still have a good time, but I sort of did it like the clean way, if that's the the way you can say it. Do you ever talk to your kids or just look back and miss those days prior to social media, prior to some of the things that are going on in society today and are just like, man, I wish I could relive one of those Saturdays dressing up, going to the movies when things were simpler? I tell that to my daughter who's 13 all the time. Like, get off the Snapchat and go live it. Like, you know, there's these, you know, whatever, you can do all the different faces and whatever. I'm like, go out there and dress up. Like, for instance, you know, when you have your um, spirit days in high school, that was like the best days of my life. Like being able to be some sort of character and just be a goofball. And nowadays I feel like kids just don't do it. Like they don't have as much fun and, you know, go out, play the night games. I got extra fit from the night games that I played. I am telling you, <laughs> I was running your all second the time. workout of the day. Yes. I never did two a days. You, then, you were I doing sure double threshold before it was a thing. Yes. <laughs> Playing kick the can is definitely like a threshold workout. Um, so I'm sounding really old, but I just want people to understand that if you have fun in life and you, you can just get your nose off that screen and go out and live a little, like, you know, it is a really fun way to live. How much do you think having fun and keeping things light and fun in your whole career kept you within the sport, kept you succeeding at every single level, high school, college, professionally? I feel like it's very rare to see an athlete tackle all three. A lot of times we'll see an athlete who's amazing in high school and then fizzle out or contrary, not too good in high school. And then they'll slowly come on as they progress. For you, you kind of nailed it at every stage. Do you you attribute a lot of that to just keeping things light and fun and seeing where the sport took you? Yes. I think that there were opportunities that I had that would have taken me away from my home or my husband, Charlie. I mean, I had such a huge crush on him. Like it was so fun to move back home and be able to be in the same state as this hottie that I ended up marrying. Um, You know, I think that I look at the people I surrounded myself with. I mean, if I wasn't having fun, Dom, if I wasn't, you know, enjoying myself at practice or you know, even just like dreaming about making these teams, setting American records, doing all these things with people that I absolutely loved being with, it wouldn't have happened. Um, Could I have gone out West to, you know, compete or to train with other people? Yes. Could I have gone out East? I came home to my family in the mid Midwest in the cold months of, you know, winter, I would stay here to be close to family at times and I wouldn't change it for the world, but Um, I mean, I think what I did right was I, I kept it simple and I believed in the people that were around me, my coaches, I picked, they weren't necessarily the, um, you know, most sought after coaches at the time, 
but they ended up producing an Olympians. They're pretty dang good. And they had uh, my teammate won nine USATF championships, Katie McGregor. She didn't make an Olympic team, finished fourth twice. But now she's leading teams. She's one of the coaches for USA cross country championships overseas. Like she's doing all these wonderful things. And so, um, yeah, I think just being around the right people and, and enjoying it, that's what worked. But don't get me wrong. I was driven. I was focused. I really wanted to be very, very good. So I think I just had a really good balance. Carrie, a, th- a three-pronged question for you. You won 13 state titles in high school, mm-hmm. five national championships in college, and then three national championships as a pro. What is your most memorable race from each iteration? Ooh, my most memorable race in high school was my senior cross-country race because I raced with Kara Goucher. So how I grew up, I grew up in rural Minnesota in a town of 1,600 people. We had to cooperate with other schools in order to make a big enough team. So every year when I ran at state, we were either in A, which was our small school division, or we were in double A. So I switched back and forth every single year. Oh, wow. (laughs) I, I know. It was crazy. We were like three kids over, five kids under, you know, four kids over. It was wild. But it was cool for me. Some of the kids didn't love it because they wanted to be in the smaller schools. I liked it because when I was in the bigger schools, I got to race Kara and people that were in the bigger schools. So my senior year, I raced her and we were down to the wire. Um, We actually talked during the race. We like rooted each other on. And, um, you know, for for Kara to go on and to have such a phenomenal career and to continue doing all the great things. It's just it's cool to remember, you know, remember when. Um, So that was probably my favorite race, even though I get to say that I crossed the tape first that day it wasn't really about that it was more that we we built this friendship that is still today which is really cool um i guess my college career i would have to say when i won in 97 <laughs> that's dating me but i when i won my very first ncaa championship which was the cross country championship i had just found out that i had a big tumor in my heel and they were going to have to fill it with donor bone so I didn't know if there was cancer in my heel and if it was career ending, I just knew that I was running with something really bad in my heel. So for me to be able to overcome that and to win that day, that was pretty special. And then I think probably not even so much the Olympic games, but making the Olympic team the way I did, I missed the team in the 5k and came back and and won the 1500 in a race where I wasn't supposed to lead. And I ended up leading basically the entire way. Um, that probably changed my life more than any other race. Not even standing on the start line, like I said, at the Olympic Games, but being able to come back from disappointment and to win um, just showed me how how tough I could be as a person, as a female. So, yeah, those are my three big ones, I guess. As you reflect on your running career as a whole, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned or the things running has taught you as a person? That we are all tough as nails. I think that's the big thing. Uh, finding what makes you tick in life is really important. And it doesn't have to be the run. It could be music. It could be acting. It could be, you know, helping others, whatever it is. But for me, I found what made me tick, which, which is running. I wanted to see how good I could be. Um, I wanted to continue to, to grow the sport, which is the role that I'm sort of in now. Not necessarily growing the sport, but helping to keep it visible and do things like that. And so for me, every single day when I wake up, I think about the run. And then when I fall asleep at night, it's thinking about the run. And, and I absolutely just love that I've been able to continue on doing it. So 
finding what makes you tick, I think is huge because then you really can figure out how you can find the toughness and the grit that we all have. Having a, I would say, predominantly younger audience, what would you say to a girl listening who's in high school or college and they hear all those fun stories, they hear your personality, your drive, and most importantly, your longevity in the sport. And they look at that and they say, I want to have a long, happy, fun career in the sport. What would you say to that individual? Well, I think that it's really important for us and, you know, for boys and girls, but also for, I guess, the girls out there to really pay attention to their bodies, um, have fun with working out hard, but really enjoy replenishing and, you know, making sure that you're taking good care of yourself. Because the one thing that I love the most now is being a mom and I have been able to continue to run at a very, very high level. And I was also able to have children when I chose to have children. And I was lucky that way, you know, not everyone has it as easy, but I took care of my body and I was able to compete at the highest level, even with all the fun that I put into my body. <laughs> so I just want girls to, and boys to understand that we need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves first and foremost. But I think more importantly, just enjoying this one time that we have to live and to get out there and to work really hard, you know, be careful with the training that you do. And, you know, Dom, you and I love to run. So if you ask me to go an extra two, I probably will. Right. Like if I can go out for an extra two miles, like that would be amazing. But there comes a time and point when you're really trying to set these goals and then achieve them where you have to be real disciplined and stick to the plan because I find with younger athletes, if they deviate at all, that's when injury happens or overtraining happens and, and the lack of communication with your coach, when you don't want to tell them that you're sneaking an extra two in <laughs> things happen. So just be real honest with yourself, take care of your body, take care of your mind, enjoy yourself, surround yourself with like-minded goal-driven people and, and you're going to rock it. In your career as an athlete, being around other successful athletes, racing people like Kara, having successful coaches, as well as now as someone who's more in the journalism space and constantly surrounded by the highest performers in the world, what would you say off the top of your head are some of the biggest commonalities you see in the most successful athletes you're around? Happiness. I really see that. It sounds cheesy, but you don't see an unhappy athlete. They don't perform well if they are. Uh, so I think that's something that I love, you know, you can see the, the drive and the determination in people, but I also just see when we aren't competing or, you know, we're getting ready to compete, there's still smiles, there's still laughter. They're, they're with their friends, even though they're competitive. Like, I love that about our sport. You know, you look at other sports and you don't get to warm up with the opposite team, or you don't get to hang out with the opposite team. Well, we're all going for warm-ups together. We're cooling down together. I mean, it's a pretty spectacular sport that way. And um, yeah, I think I think that's the big thing is finding this happiness. And believe me, I wanted to crush everyone standing around me when I was on the start line. And I loved beating people. I loved it. But I also cared about their journey. I cared about their results, their happiness as well. It hurts when someone else hurts. And... You know, I can remember talking to an athlete even this past weekend at the trials and um, we were talking and I said, be happy for those around you right now. You need to be happy for those around you and then go home and figure out how you can be a better athlete or or you can be sad at home. But right now it's your time to be happy and, and 
you know, they were really happy that I said that to them. We've covered many different avenues in this conversation, all the different hats you wear in life, runner, broadcaster, mom, I'm sure many other things I don't know about. How do you balance it all? How do you stay sane during it all? And just how crazy is your schedule, Carrie? It's crazy. It really is. I was just saying, like, someone was asking me, when are you going to start training again? And I've dealt with a little bit of a foot injury this year, which has now it's, I think, knock on wood, it's going away. But um, the schedule has gotten wild. Like, we have eight basketball games on a Saturday, you know, and trying to get a long run in before an 8 a.m. basketball game is, is nuts. So all of you listening, if you have folks or parents that – you know, train and are out there working hard, make your bed, <laughs> put your dishes away so you can save them that extra 15, 20 minutes of doing all the other stuff so they can get an extra 15, 20 minutes of their long run. But um, I'm trying to just get out the door. I like to get up early, Dom, and get it done with. I think that's been one thing that has really been nice in the sport has taught me this discipline. And, you know, all of us, I think, feel better once our run is done. So I get up early and I do a run. I'm not training as long as I'd like to. The weightlifting has gone out the back door, which is not cool, especially at the age I'm lifting. Like we all need to lift heavy throughout life and especially as you get older. Um, so it's tough. But again, it brings a smile every time I get to do something like this. I get to study for a race. I'm like, these people are amazing. And I get to tell their stories. So, you know, even though I'm super busy, it's all for the good. And I, I absolutely love it. But I do want to get out there and you know, try and break 18 minutes for the 5k again. I want to, I'd love to break 250 for the marathon. I haven't done that yet. Marathon is not my distance, but you know, I have some goals. I don't know with the, the shoes improving and gels and true all that stuff. Carrie, you, you ran in a, a very, very tough that. time, right? Cause you ran 251 in 2019. Yeah. 250 yes. is easy. And Carrie, give yourself like three months of training. Call me up. Oh. I'll pace you for it. Oh, let's do it. Yeah. Down the road in the future. I'm curious. I got to meet two of your kids in San Diego. I think two for sure. One, uh, your daughter for sure. All three, I think. Okay. But maybe not. Okay. At least two, maybe three. Yeah. What's it like to share these experiences with your kids and kind of relive? I mean, not relive because you're living it in the moment, but just like some of the cool moments that maybe when they were younger, they couldn't quite appreciate. And now to be able to bring them along for the ride, at least for some events, what's that experience like? Oh my goodness. It is so cool to see how Ruby, my oldest, she's 13. Like I said, you know, she talks about Parker Valby and Caitlin Tui. Um, to hear her say, mom, I want to be like them. And not necessarily does she want to be a runner like that, but she wants to be somebody that goes for it in life. She wants to put their, her goals out there and, and get after it. And I have absolutely loved it. I heard my middle child, my, my Everett, um, he's 10. He said to me, mom, I kind of want to be a sports broadcaster. He said that the other day. And I was like, wait, what did you just say that? And he actually is very good when he talks about the NFL or, you know, the NBA, like he knows these guys and he knows the, st the stats and he will tell me what they're doing, you know, doing a little play by play. And then we have our little guy who's an artist and my husband's an architect and it's really cool to see. So I think, my point is, is what I absolutely love about it is I can see that they are watching what we do and it matters. And they're taking the little bits and pieces of Charlie and I, and kind of, you know, thinking about how that affects their life. And it's been neat to see, but I do love 
having Ruby and Everett and Greer go to these events like Foot Locker and just see whether it's being with the Hoka peeps, right? Like learning what that side of the sport is or talking to you, like seeing you interview athletes when you're so young and up and coming, like it just has been really cool to introduce them to so many different things. This question admittingly is a little bit of seeking advice here because it's something I struggle with. How do you turn the, the, how do you flip the switch off? Okay. A time like Christmas or even a week in the summer or even an hour with your kids. How do you flip the switch off and try to rest? Try not to think about, you know, your inbox and the emails piling up or whatever it might be. How do you flip the switch off and, and rest when you need to? It's really hard. And, you know, you said you were tired after the weekend. You have to do that. We work weekends a lot of time and then prep all week. So a lot of, there's a lot of times where I'm like, have I had a day off in how long? So I do try to plan a big trip. It's usually once every two years. <laughs> so I'm not trying to scare you down, but usually I go like to a beach and I try not to look at anything um, once every two years. But um, for me, I have turned down opportunities and saying no is a powerful thing. Sometimes it doesn't mean that it doesn't, hurt your heart to say no, or you get nervous that you're never going to get asked again. But I think that you have to remember that that is a word in your vocabulary. I am a yes girl. I have said yes to pretty much everything, but I did turn down the Olympics in Tokyo. It was a five week stint and I couldn't go away from my family. I have an offer to go to Paris and I'm still weighing it out. It's three weeks away from my family. So um, Dom, it's really, really hard, but you have to do it. So what I do is make time to go and run routes with my boys. I go and play football with my boys. I go for runs with Ruby and Charlie and I will go on dates again someday soon. <laughs> but planning it in is important. Planning those days off because you can't work seven days a week. You can't. Carrie, I want to ask you two final questions as we wrap up today's conversation. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. I'm sure I could. So we'll save those for future editions of the podcast. A question I'll only ask very specific people, and you're one of them, is, okay, we're recording this on Tuesday, February 6th at 12.45 p.m. Uh, at 11.45 p.m. your time. A question I've been asking some people is putting something in a time capsule. And what I mean by that is, as long as Spotify and Apple Podcasts and whatever other podcast platforms are out there, as long as the internet's up, this podcast will always be out there. And your grandkids and great-grandkids and your kids can listen to this and come back, or even yourself, a week, a year, five years down the road, can come back and listen to Carrie Tollefson on February 6th at this time. So what do you want to put in a time capsule? Anything about how you're feeling, how you're doing, what you're excited about, what you're struggling with? What do you want to put in the time capsule for February 6th, 2024? Yeah, great question. Um, I think something I'm struggling with right now is knowing what life could be like after this part of my career. Um, you know, I, I absolutely love what I do and I want to keep doing it, but travel is really hard. And when you have kids that are busy, and I remember Mary Wittenberg, we talked about that. She told me, enjoy your time right now, because when kids get into junior high, it's so busy that life changes. So I think I struggle a little bit about what life is like after this career, but I want to remind myself to live for today and to enjoy every minute of it. Every single time I worry about going away from home or being away on a job, when I'm there, 
it is like the best job I could have ever asked for. And it fills my cup so much. And I want Ruby, Everett and Greer and all of your listeners to understand that life can be hard. Work is hard. Our sport is hard. But when, again, you truly love it, it's all worth it. So even though I too have worries and I too have, you know, times where I'm not feeling quite as adequate as someone else or whatever it is, when you're happy and you truly love what you do, like you will always see the good in it. So yeah, I'm struggling with what is coming next, but at the same time, why does there have to be a next right now today? I absolutely love what I do. And that is a gift. Carrie, one final serious question for you. For those who have listened to our conversation, are inspired by you in many facets of your life, what would be the final takeaway message you want to leave with our audience today? Keep getting after it. That's my favorite saying. There you go. Easy one. No matter if you're racing and you're on lap three of the mile, just tell yourself to get after it. Or you're getting ready for a huge test in high school, college, wherever. Like, get after it. Let's go. And throughout life. Keep getting after it. You know, if you just float through life, you're really never going to see what you're made of. But we all have such potential. And I believe in all of you and I'm excited. And it has been an honor to be able to be a voice in this world of sport. And I just hope that younger athletes, younger people, you know, continue to find their passion and, and really speak up about it. Don't be afraid to put your goals out there and to go after it. You're going to have people in your corner and you're going to have people that support you. So Get after it, peeps. Let's go. I love it. I love it. Getting me hyped. Carrie, one final question for you. The question I ask every single guest on every single podcast. If you had Gordon Ramsay coming over to your house, so Gordon flies over to Minnesota, what would you personally choose to make for Gordon? Oh, my goodness. So I am a huge fajita fan. (laughs) And so I probably would just make fajitas because they're easy, they're good, and I love it. And I would top it off with my favorite thing that I had every single night and I still do, but I did it as an athlete and I continue to do it. And it might not be quite as good for me to do it now, but I have chocolate milkshakes every single night. So I'd probably have chocolate milkshakes for dessert. Wouldn't be fancy, but it would be good. It would fill his soul up and we'd have fun. Carrie, appreciate the conversation. Keep being, and I mean this, the amazing bright light you are to the world. And I can't wait to see all that God has in store for you this year coming years, all that you'll accomplish and crush. So thank you so much for the conversation. Right back at you, Dom. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I don't take your time for granted. So I hope that it brought you some wisdom and value that you can apply directly into your running and into your life. If you have not already done so, please consider giving us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And then something all of you guys can do is share today's episode or the podcast in general with a friend or someone who you think will benefit from it. One more note, if you're not already following us on Instagram, consider doing so. My Instagram tag is at The Running Effect. I hope you're running and life is going well. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy life to listen to today's episode. I will catch you in two days when the next episode drops. Until then, happy running.